Hockey Town alum podcast about hockey and basketball and basketball and hockey. And today, I believe we will talk about basketball and hockey and hockey and basketball. Mike, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, except I need you to start extending that bit like a little longer each recording. Eventually, you just have to do it for like straight like minute. <laughs> like those Twitter memes where they're like, we'll make Kyle Kuzma sleeves longer for every hundred retweets we get. Yes, that's what you need to do. I'll tell you what, every hundred retweets this podcast gets, I'll make my it's longer. Shit, every hundred retweets this podcast gets, I'll fucking... Jeffrey Tambor yourself. He's the CNN guy that jerked off on a... Oh, that's right. <laughs> you know what the best part of that would be? Is if you had one of the, like, Zoom, like, backgrounds going on. <laughs> it looks like he's jerking <laughs> off in a Hawaiian paradise. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, Jeffrey Tambor's jerking off in outer space. Well, as previously said, this is the Hockey and Basketball Podcast, brought to you by the same team that brought you uh, an article once, where uh, we compared playoff teams in the NHL to quotes from I Think You Should Leave. We did, uh, it was actually, oh we did, we did do that article, what was once. Um, are we starting with hockey? Because I have yeah, to hijack sure. the segment at the beginning. Start with hockey, go ahead and hijack away. Oilers have won six in a row, and I hate it. How are we already talking about the Oilers? Not even on the rundown. First thing we talk about in hockey is the Oilers. Well, the first thing was the hot Yotes. And you got to talk about, I guess, the hot Oilers. McDavid has 18 points in this six-game span. Jesus fucking Christ. And uh, And all of them are secondary assists. That's crazy. (laughs) Did you see his one goal he had last night? Uh, No, I can look it up real quick, though. Yeah, it's like... Cuts by the defense and goes to the outside of Flurry, and then just like drags Flurry out of the net. Basically, just like, come on, come and get it, come and get the puck. Until Flurry's just way out of the crease on his stomach and he just taps it in. Okay, first thing to note here is that McDavid gets it behind center ice. Yeah. And just takes it from center ice on the right side all the way to behind, <laughs> behind Flurry on the left side. Around a defenseman. I couldn't tell who that was, but since it's Minnesota, I'm going to guess it's somehow Nick Foligno. Not there anymore, is he? No. Also not a defenseman. No. I'm still trying to... Who's number five on the wild? Jake Middleton. Jake Middleton got fucking punked. Yeah. The poor flower. The poor flower got plucked last night. He's he's just like sprawled out, slowly sliding away from the crease. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Remember the Oilers got awful shooting percentage? Yeah. They, uh, since Thanksgiving, they have the highest five on five shooting percentage in the NHL. <laughs> I hate it. It is bound to happen, right? Unfortunately, but I hate they it. They're up to a whopping 75.4% chance to make the playoffs on Money Puck, by the way. Wow, that's a big jump, right? Yeah. Yeah. Last time we talked about them, which I can only assume was somehow on the Friday episode of the podcast. I think it was Monday during the football podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I think they were like in the 40s. Um, they got a 6% chance to win the cup, which I think if they make the playoffs, that 6% is low. That's got to like be entirely based on just that they don't have, like they're, they're still out of the playoff race currently. Actually, are they? I haven't looked at the standings today. Pretty sure they are. Yeah, they're still five points out of the playoffs. Although they've played less games than just about everyone in front of them. Golden or or the the Kings Kings. have like the highest point percentage in the NHL right now. What the fuck? 
Yeah, I also, looking at this earlier, noticed... They they're always talking the highest point percentage in the NHL. We're always talking about the Kings. Like, they just good on both sides of the puck. Right down the middle. Like, they're not, like, way... Like, scoring way higher than their expected goals. Like, a high PDO team. There's a good team. And it makes it even more amazing that they have the highest goal differential in the NHL. Yeah. Like, they're Although, so good this year. That, that Pacific Division is weird on goal differential. They're just knocking out of the fucking park. Let me ask you this. Should we officially declare that the Kings are going to be in the Stanley Cup final? I'm about there. Yeah. I think they're winning it all. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that, to be honest with you. I'm looking forward to the Kings hoisting the cup. What I'm not looking forward to is hockey games starting at 930 because they're playing on the West Coast. Oh, uh, it's only 830 your time. I meant 930 my time. Oh, that's, that is late for you. That is late for me. I'm not a I'm not a 9:30 hockey start kind of man. Mm-mm. All right, Mike, you wanna you wanna go back to the rundown? You got any more thoughts on the Oilers or Kings? I think we hit the important ones. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, we get we basically we're just talking about individual teams today. Why do you hate the Oilers yeah. doing well? Just because you were you were thriving on the the slump? Yeah, I mean misery loves company. <laughs> so if I have to be miserable in life, I want them to be miserable too. I, I love I, seeing angry McDavid. In my old age, it's become one of those things where I just want to see greatness. I just want to see McDavid win the cup every year. Yeah, but I like hate seeing a team that's mismanaged so poorly win hockey games. As opposed to being mismanaged very well. Yes. <laughs> so start, start off with the, the small segment here. I know I don't have it at the top of the rundown, but just to hit on it real quick. And then we have just some individual teams to talk about. Uh, let's talk about the wall injury. Yeah, that's a bummer. So Joseph Wool goes out in a game against the Ottawa Senators. He has to get helped off the ice. Seems like a knee injury. They say that he's week to week. No real mo- additional information on it, which is very hockey that someone gets injured. We will never have any idea how. Whereas the NFL, it's like someone gets hurt. And by the end of the game, they're like, yeah, they tore their left pinky toes tendon. Way more specific. Uh, so earlier I tried to look up the like, all right, how long is he going to be out? Try to refresh myself on some of this info, and then it just said sometime. out sometime with a lower body injury. Yeah, <laughs> yeah lovely. Yeah, so you go to the you. NHL, you're like, hey, what's the injury? And they go, we're not saying nothing. It's on. It's on his body. Definitely on his body. <laughs> they just have one of those images of like the person with their mouth open that's just like their intestinal tract down to like the stomach, mm-hmm. and they just put a big circle around it and go, the injury's in this area. Kind of like the suit that was worn on Archer by TV's Michael Gray. <laughs> Why do you only bring up Michael Gray on this podcast? I don't know. Something wrong with me. <laughs> so before going out, Will had taken over as a starting role in Toronto. Had 7.4 goals saved above expected for 15 games. Since then, Toronto's had to recall Martin Jones from the AHL. Uh, fun fact, Martin Jones is playing in the AHL. Mm-hmm. And now their starting goaltender, who they are relying fully on, is Ilya Samsonov. I think they should see if they can send Edmonton a bag of chips for Jack Campbell. Bring him back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's where they found the magic. They've also <laughs> fallen out of the top three in their division. They're now first in the wildcard race. Well, luckily, things have started great for Martin Jones. He's played one game and has a uh, goals... A GA of 6.23. Oh, wait, that's not right. What am I looking at? What is no, this that might be right. Thing? No. Goals against per game of 
0.23, but it says goals against only one. I don't know how they're getting this weird number. Did they? They might have uh, switched him in for Samsonov late in the game. Oh, probably, possibly. Who knows? Anyway, sorry, I de- I derailed this once again. That's fine. Um, does it say what day they played on? Was this the Sins game? No, Jones played. Oh, that's beginning of the season. I'm sorry. Yeah, he played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he played yeah, he in, in the Sins game. Um, after Wall went down. Yeah, and he had one goal allowed on nine attempts. Yeah, so that makes crazy. Sense. Like I I knew that Wall got hot, but it's just crazy. Like going into the season, it was obviously expected to be Samsonov, but I mean, Wool just took over. Yeah, yeah, and so Wool's now in the Calder conversation, and I, I know goaltending can get hot and cold, so it's it's hard to count on any goaltender. But mm-hmm. it feels like Toronto's chances at getting one of those top three seeds uh, is significantly hurt by yeah, you Wool going have, down. You kind of have to bank on like, hey, we got Austin Matthews, we got Mitch William Nylander. Mitch Marner, like we got to find a way to score enough goals to get through this. You got Tyler Bertuzzi. No comment. <laughs> I'm a big Tyler Bertuzzi guy. Are you? Yeah. No real reason like why. Him? I just like him. I couldn't even tell you why. I don't. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I feel like he went to Boston last year, and ever since that trade, you were kind of like, yeah, I kind of like the style of Bertuzzi kid. Yeah, I just liked watching him on Boston a lot Weird. last year. I know. Yeah. Is, I always can't remember. Is his dad the dude who, uh, the Bertuzzi that tried to kill that guy? Uh, no, his dad is actually Ted Cruz. Fun fact. Not a lot his, of people know. His Tyler Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi, Todd Bertuzzi's son. He's the nephew of Todd Bertuzzi. I think I, I sent you that. I think I showed you that video before entirely possible you send me a lot of old hockey clips yeah you're the you're my personal sean McIndoo. yeah it's the one where he like comes up and basically punches this guy in the back of the head oh yeah takes him down like face first into the ice yeah it was was pretty pretty gross any more thoughts on uh joseph wool no it just feels very maple leafs it does like ah fuck (laughs) like something went wrong again but then like i was thinking about this when you put it on the rundown and i was just like man i haven't really the Maple Leafs have not taken up a lot of space in my head so far this season. Yeah, I mean they're not. They haven't been dominant in the regular season. They've been up and down. I don't think. I think that when I was looking up to this, I don't think they've had a win streak or a loss streak longer than three games at any point. They had one four-game losing streak, but no. one of those was a shootout, and one of them was overtime. Oh, maybe that was it. They have. They they don't have any three-game streaks of going pointless or three-game win streaks. Gotcha. And. I mean, it's just, I, I think we've moved on past the, ah, the Maple Leafs are title contenders phase. They, they kind of have the, the James Harden Rockets feel to me. And don't get me wrong. I like Austin Matthews. I think Austin Matthews is a much better product for the game than James Harden was in his prime. But it's like, all right, do you got, you, like, are you really expecting toronto if they somehow make the cup final to go toe-to-toe with any of the top teams in the west no no not at all there's not not, i feel like a very blah team to me this year so would you be willing to put any money on a team in the east to win the cup final this year um yeah i don't think so like Like if you asked me in order to name the teams i expect would win the cup final I would go like Kings, 
Golden Knights, Avs, Stars, Bruins. You put Bruins fifth in that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the East, it's just weird. Like, the Flyers are the second seed right now in the Metro. Yeah, but they have a ton of games in hand, I think, right? Like, they've played more? Yeah. Yeah, they uh, have 20, probably... I mean, 26. It's not outrageous. Yeah. Like, Tampa Bay has, like, 28 games or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Tampa Bay's played 28 games. Like, why has Tampa Bay played seven more games than the Senators? No. They have. Anyway. Wow, that is so weird. Yeah. That broke my brain. I was like, that's not possible. Yeah, it's like the COVID year. Anyways, getting <laughs> off topic. We came here to continue to talk about the West. Start one start by talking about the red hot Arizona Coyotes. Now, I know we get in a bad habit in the media landscape of all of us talk about the same thing at the same time. And the Coyotes are definitely the flavor of the week for that. Uh, with the governor meeting going on, or the board of governors meeting going on, where they talked about how one of the top priorities now is that the Coyotes need to have a plan in place by the end of January for actual groundbreaking, here is what we are doing style plans for their new arena. Or they're going to start looking into relocation. It's been a big talking point with the Coyotes. But we have to talk about how well the Coyotes have been playing. And I know they hit on some draft picks and made some offseason moves that that were very unrecent Coyotes because they signed people who weren't actually just LTIR dead cap signings. Um, but they've been a lot of fun. They've been, they've been good. They're over 500. They're over true 500, not just NHL 500. They're true 500, over true 500. They're currently fourth in the Central, first in the Western Conference wild cards. They lost their last game, but before that, they beat the Golden Knights, the Lightning, the Avs, the Blues, and the Washington Capitals, which everyone loved the fun fact going around Twitter that they beat the last six Stanley Cup champions. They're like, they're like UCF. That year they went undefeated. They're the real Stanley Cup champions now. <laughs> it's like the 24-7 title. Yeah. <laughs> right now on Money Puck, well, I should say, last time I checked on Money Puck, they had a 44.9% chance of making the playoffs. That number is now sitting at 42.9. So I guess someone won yesterday that, that nudged them down just a little bit. Points leaders on the team, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, uh, Matthias Massell. Lawson Krause and Nick Bukestad. Mike, you got any uh, you got any quick thoughts on, on the Coyotes? I, I got some other notes here that we can go through, but just wanted to, to get your temperature check on them. I would just... I'd warn them to not... I don't want to say buy into this too much, but don't... Don't get over-enthusiastic. That's probably not the right way to put it. My My point being, like, Logan Cooley, um, I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, Matias Massell, and Clayton Keller. Like, you have some, like, like young, nice pieces. Don't, like, just don't stop. Don't go full, like, we're done with any kind of rebuild, you know? Like, then you're going to turn into, like, the Seattle Kraken, who have, like, a couple young players kind of overshot where they should have been last year, and now they're back to being a below-average team. And you don't want to do that. And now we're only like a quarter of the way through the season. So they could turn back into the pumpkin that is the, the Coyotes. Um, but I would still like come trade deadline, 
be looking at some of the moves I could make to keep stock in the cupboard is all, is all I'm saying. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, if I'm them, I'm not, I'm not moving heavy on the season. Let me ask you this in the NHL draft. What do you think are the important rounds? One through three, really one, one through three. So for the next three seasons, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. They have twenty picks in the top three rounds through the next three three drafts. Okay, maybe the cupboard stocked. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they had the Chikrin trade where they they got not a ton, but they got they got some stuff. They've taken a bunch of these cap dump deals where they're just sitting on on players who are never going to play for them. I mean, like, if they want to make a move or two for some for some high-end young players, like, it, you know, it, it's not going to happen because it's the NHL. But if this was, like, a team that wanted to to trade some stuff they had jammed in the junk drawer for, like, a Trevor Zegras, drop him down to, like, the third line and rehabilitate his career, things of that nature, I think that it makes a ton of sense for the Coyotes to do that. But otherwise, according to the Athletic preseason, they had the... 11th or 12th ranked prospect pool. You can just sit on that. Your your team's going to continue being good. Get your stadium figured out. We all love the party barn. We all love Mullet Arena. But having less than 8,000 fans be able to sit in an NHL building is a little embarrassing. Yeah, and it's not economically feasible to continue being an NHL team with an 8,000-seat arena. Yeah. <laughs> You know that they they've reportedly dumped like millions of dollars into improving Mullet Arena. Really? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing, guys? I get it. You need like a visitor locker room, but you could have just been dumping millions of dollars into a new arena. Yeah, that's weird. I just a funny note. They currently have twenty seven million dollars of cap space tied up in injured reserve players. Yeah, they have. They've. I wonder how many people have been on the Arizona Coyotes roster that never once put on a Coyotes jersey. It's like pre-retirement. It's kind of funny because, you know, usually when people retire, they go to Florida. But in the NHL, when people retire, they go to Arizona. A big retirement state. To me, that feels like Arizona would be another, like a West Coast retirement state. I don't know I why. think of Arizona as a bachelorette party state. Yeah, like ASU is considered like one of the biggest party schools. Isn't it all online? <laughs> You're thinking of Phoenix University. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Phoenix Copal University. That's actually the full name. Do you know that? I didn't. Does yeah. he teach all the classes? He does. I can't wait to take advanced nuclear physics with Phoenix Copley. Mm -hmm. Big reason that the Yotes have been so good this season is an absolute unsustainable heater by goalie Connor Ingram. Right? I picked him up in fantasy last week. <laughs> nice. So they picked him up on waivers on October 10th, 2022. And this season, he has a 925 save percentage. And since since the Coyotes lost to St. Louis at the, near the end of November, he's a 950, including two shutouts. Yeah, it's like I... I moved Levi down to like one of my, my minor slots. And I was like, all right, let's go see what kind of like, you know, garbage there is out there on the waiver wire. And then usually when I do that, I'll kind of sort by, like, games played. Because I want goalies who are actually going to play games. Uh, and I, I saw Connor Ingram. And I was like, there's no... These numbers, like, cannot be right. This makes no sense. Like, this dude used to be, like, the backup 
uh, UC Soros, I think. Who's having a down year. Maybe it was all Connor Ingram the whole time. He was so scared about Connor Ingram behind him. Yeah. <laughs> it lit a fire under him. Have you seen Connor Ingram's picture? It says he's 26. I'm not buying it. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> he kind of looks like if Nick Kroll was uh, a little less pasty. Another thing, Logan Cooley, third in Colorado. So they're hitting on their rookie too, who was a big prospect for them. Let me ask you this, Mike. Are the Coyotes for real? Like this season? Like for what they're what they look like so far. Um, I don't think they're for real as like a number two seed in their division, but I think they're for like I think we're seeing like young players and some good pieces they have. They're playing really well. And so I think they're gonna be like kind of that fun team that can possibly lose four in a row and then all of a sudden win four in a row. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the mix for the wild card, maybe just end up a handful of points out. Yeah, what's your what's your like Give me like an NFL comp for this team. An NFL comp. How about this? Houston Texans? <sighs> That's what I was thinking. You stole yeah. it from me. Bastard. High functioning rookie. Surprising play from a vet you didn't expect. In this case, Robert Woods, perhaps. Jonathan Grenard. Yeah, Houston Texans seems pretty good. Yeah, I kind of like that. All right, Mike, you got any. Uh... Oh, well, let me ask you this. What's next for the Yotes? What do you think? We're looking at relocation. Are they going to be, become the Scottsdale Coyotes? Austin Matthews coming back home. What's, what's next for the Coyotes? Well, Adam, according to their schedule, it is the Boston Bruins. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, that'd be great if they start playing better and they make some deal with... Uh, whatever city. They're, they're in Phoenix, that's right. Um, they're just no longer the Phoenix Coyotes. And they make some deal and they can stay there. Like That's all... I think that's all pie in the sky. I just think the relationship in Arizona has just been so poor for so long. Like it's it's a Seattle crack. It's a Seattle supersonic situation. Like they're just not going to be able to make it work, and it's going to end up with a, a relocation. Yeah, I mean they they had that entire deal fall through where the government was cool with it, and the Coyotes were were cool with the plan, and they put it to a public vote, and it got absolutely obliterated. By the way, just real quick, want to point out here: FanDuel does not update their NHL awards betting odds very often. Go there to get stale fucking lines, man. Right now, you can still get uh, Kucherov at plus fifteen hundred to win the Rocket. He's second place in goals right now behind Brock Besser. Wow, yeah, that's that's not because someone should. Is it specifically like the hockey department? Since hockey's like has a smaller fan base, they only have like, yeah, they only got two guys working in the hockey department there. You can get Pasternak at plus 360, McDavid at plus 650. I don't think McDavid's going to win it, but still. Like, the favorite's Austin Matthews, who is fifth with 16 goals in 23 games. So he has several games in hand behind Kucherov and Besser. Mm -hmm. Sand, you, uh, you want to make a little bit of extra scratch, go bet on hockey futures, because FanDuel does not update those very often, it seems like. Maybe just no one at FanDuel watches hockey. I right, mean, we talked about the hot yotes. We got to talk about a team that's gone cold. The world-famous, Talon Alone's official hockey team, Vancouver Canucks. I didn't agree to that. <laughs> no, I didn't, agree to the, I didn't agree to the Falcons, and you made me do it, so sucks to suck. I hate you. <laughs> Canucks are 5-5-0 five, five, and zero in their last 10. They've lost to the Devils in the Hughes Bowl, the Golden Knights, Sharks, Avs, Kraken, and Flame, and they've won against the Flames, Ducks, Kraken, and Sharks, and the Wild, which... Mm -hmm. 
not great wins and uh, losing to higher caliber competition. So it starts to seem like we're getting to the regression. In the last month, Thatcher Dimko's down to an 897 save percentage. By the way, on FanDuel, he's still first place for the Vezina at plus 450. Get your bets in now for Aiden Hill at plus 850. Yeah, they, since Thanksgiving, which like a lot of the stats I looked into today, I kind of did since Thanksgiving because back when we did the podcast that week, we kind of looked at how historically teams who aren't in playoff contention then have a lower percentage of making it. And since then, we've seen like their PDO is, has dropped. They're down to seventh in the league, which is still high. But they were outrageously at number one before that, though. Exactly. So, yeah, Mike, uh, where, where did the Canucks actually sit? Are they a 500 team that significantly outperformed? Are they a one seed team? that was performing correctly or somewhere in the middle? I don't think they were a, a one-seed team. I think they are a very talented team with a lot of very good young players. I th- I still, they're making the playoffs, I think. I couldn't see them falling out of it, even if they go a, a little bit cold. I mean, as much as we say, oh, PDO, regression. I mean, sometimes guys just get hot. <laughs> and it, it it works out. So I'm not going to hold it completely against them. Yeah, I still think they're a very good team. A big part of it will be if, if Thatcher Demko starts to come back to earth, that's when we can see the season really fall apart. What do you think is this this team's ceiling, then? Like, are they going to get eliminated in the wildcard round? Do you think they, they can win a round or two? Are they going to miss the playoffs? Where where do you see this Canucks team falling? Um, I think they can make it, like, with the way the standings look right now, I think they could make it through the wild card round. So let's say, you know, depending on what seed they end up with, if they end up as a three seed in their division, let's say that right now, they'd be looking at either facing Arizona or Nashville. Nope. That's not how that works. <laughs> so in the first round, they'd be right now. They'd be facing the Kings. Oh, fuck. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. They're, if that's how it shakes out, they're not getting by the first round. They're just not as complete of a team as, as LA is. But I'd say, like, good for years, it felt like Vancouver was in denial of where the franchise was, and maybe they were a little bit right. Or maybe they got outrageously lucky with Quinn Hughes being a top three goalie in the league. Top three defender? What did I say? Goalie. I like to think of him as both. Top three defender and a top three goalie. <laughs> Defenders are supposed to stop the puck from going in the net as well. It's like how in the 1920s, every single player was also a punter. They were like, here's our star wide receiver, safety, and punter. Red Josh Foster. Kristen. I feel like there was a lot of guys named Red back in the 20s. Yeah, what happened to that? You know what, Mike? I think we should both have multiple kids and name them all Red. I'd, I'd Let's bring that the name. Let's start tilting the percentages back, you know? Children are overrated. Damn, you know you used to be a children. I did, and I was an asshole. Still are an asshole. <laughs> All right. So talking about are, are overrated too. So anyways, the Vancouver are you, Canucks. Are you jumping off the, like, you're kind of being negative here about Vancouver. Are you jumping off? I, I was riding the Vancouver wave, but I knew it was luck all along, right? We knew this was coming at some point. It was just a question of when. Yeah. This next week, they have three games. They played the Hurricanes tonight. Lightning tomorrow, Panthers after that. All three of those are at home. If they walk out of that two and one, that is a huge success. 
I feel like if you're the Canucks, that's the goal this season is just don't fall apart and start going on five game losing streaks. I know. Keep it even. I'm kind of turning into a caricature myself with this stuff. If I'm the Canucks GM, I'm waiting until the day before the treadline. Treadline? Deadline. (laughs) And I'm just hitting sell, sell, sell on every asset people will take whose name isn't Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes. Really? Brock Besser, congratulations. You're a New York Ranger. JT Miller, congratulations. You're a Tampa Bay Lightning. Why would they do that? Because this, it's such a paper dragon season, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you're looking at this objectively, the trade value for JT Miller, and especially Brock Besser and Thatcher Dimko and players like that, is never going to be higher than it is this season. They are playing much better than they historically have. And let me ask you this, Mike. You really think it's Rick Tockett? You think Rick Tockett came in and was like, ah, I simply will make this average team into one of the best six teams in the NHL. No, I mean, it could be a little bit of like a Ron Hextall situation, like in, in Seattle last year where PDO went wild and they're like, God, this guy's coach of the year over here. And then now they're not even in the playoffs as of right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. When, when it gets to the trade deadline, if you're looking at this objectively, if you're not sitting there saying we have a real shot this year or we can win multiple rounds. And I've, I've slowly softened on my tanker titles position that I used to hold. So I'm not saying that if you're not going to win the, the title, then tank. But this, like, there's such an outrageous gulf between what this team actually is and what on paper it looks like they are. Mm. I don't know how much Vancouver you've watched, but since my, all my priors were stacked on it, I watched a good chunk of it. Basically, I, I try to catch at least some of every Vancouver game that puck drops before 8 o'clock my time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's, there's some games where it's just fucking everything goes in for them, man. And I, I know that that's not sustainable. I like Elias Pettersson a lot. I like Quinn Hughes a lot. I like Brock Besser a little bit. But you're getting much more value out of these players than you, you should expect to get on an average year. You can sell high as fuck, man. I like the idea of selling high on, on JT Miller. And Brock Besser. Potentially Brock Besser. I mean, you got Pedersen's obviously the guy expected to be your number one C going forward and kind of the franchise there. Well, not. I mean, no, I agree. I mean, him and Quinn Hughes, those are, those are the franchise. Yeah, exactly. So you could sell, I do agree, you could sell super high on, on Miller right now and not, you'd be losing like a top player, but with what you get back, you could very easily replace that value i think and i get it like jt miller's an easy one right because he's he's hit that 30 cliff that we all talk about and brock besser is only 26 which makes it a little bit harder but you're two years away from him being a ufa he's making 6.6 million a year right now at some point you have to consider in two years, do you think that it's going to be worth playing, paying Brock Besser $9 million a year? Yeah, it depends on where the team is at that point. He seems just Chris Kreidery to me, I guess. Chris Kreider's a hell of a goal scorer. At least he was in his prime. Yeah, but that, like, how much would you want to pay Chris Kreider if you're not a cup-competing team? Oh, no, I, I totally agree. If you're not a cup-competing team, you're trading Chris Kreider. Chris yeah. <laughs> so Chris if Brock Besser is just Chris Kreider West... How much do you want to pay Brock Besser if you're not competing for a cup? I'm just thinking, I feel like there will be riots once again in Vancouver. They're Canadian. They don't know how to riot. 
they were pretty upset when they got their ass kicked by the Bruins in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, way back in the the Dizze. Like, imagine your team's having this success that was not expected, even though it, a lot of it is luck, and then the franchise turns around and trades like two of their top three point scorers. Like the their the, number I, one point scorer, I believe. Yeah, definitely their number it, one goal scorer. Uh, and, and JT Miller, yeah, he's he's, their, he's also their number one. Oh, I was talking about Besser still. Yeah, Besser's their number one goal scorer. Miller's their number one point scorer. So, mm. like, I just, I would feel for Canucks fans, even if it's a situation where it's like, hey, settle down. In a couple of years, this move's going to look fantastic. I'm keeping yeah. Besser, though. Yeah, I mean, he's 26. I can see more of an argument for that. It's just that you're going to get, you would get so much value for him right now. But JT Miller, as the number one point scorer on the team, is not, th- this is the sell high moment. Like, a few years ago, they signed him to that extension. And then everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? You should have been selling on this guy. Now is the moment. When you sign him to the extension, now is the moment you were hoping for where you can flip him for more value. Yeah, but I feel like there's an issue there of do teams in a, who would like him to push them over the... like? Well, a cup contender can't afford him. So you're trying to find a team who wants a guy who's 30 and has seven years remaining on his contract. Let's, let's be very that. clear. A cup contender can afford him. You just have to do the, we routed it through fucking Nashville, and we'll retain 50, and Nashville will retain 50% of that. So you're only paying 25% of his contract. Yeah, but are you talking about Vancouver also being a part that retains? Or just, yeah. okay, I don't, why would, I wouldn't do that. Why, why wouldn't you? Like, what, what if you're getting something for it? I mean, just, like, if you flip him to, say, the Devils, Right, uh, maybe the Devils are too analytically minded. The man, it's it's getting harder and harder to find a real dumb team in the NHL, isn't it? No, because for the past couple of years, it's been the Canucks. <laughs> yeah, and that probably is your answer to if they're going to trade away JT Miller or not. But like, if you flip into like the Hurricanes or the Rangers, teams that that are performing a little bit lower than expected, maybe the Stars or something like that, mm-hmm. and you just you retain, you get another team to retain, and in return, you get pick some prospects right i mean like say dallas sends you wyatt johnston and a pick in return and you just retain it and retain it through someone else and maybe you send like a third to it the team that retains some of the salary wouldn't you rather have wyatt johnston and a second round pick from dallas than have 31 year old jt miller for 900 million dollars a year in the long term yeah but if i feel I guess so much of it comes down to what the front, how the front office feels, the trajectory of this team. I, th- I think that's a tough contract to trade, but I mean, I do agree. If there's a team who's like, we get Miller, we're winning the cup, and we'll figure out the cap later. Then it's, yeah, it and like I said, totally it's the, like the NHL and NBA have the same thing where everyone's like, I don't know about this cap situation, but really, you can find a way. You can offload contracts. You can route stuff through other teams. There's always a way. Yeah, he's got to find a deep team who can take on Miller and then say one of their, one of their other stars with a high cap hit has to go on injured reserve and they get the LTIR forgiveness and they just pull a cooch with that like Tampa Bay did. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing, right. That's worth, worth noting about this. JT Miller has a 15 team, no trade that kicks in in the 27, 28 season. So really, you have four seasons to trade him, including this one. Mm-hmm. 
do you really think his value is going to go up in his age 31 or 32 season? No, probably not. It, it might be a contract that's easier to move in the offseason. Well, 1 million base salary due at the start of this season, which means it's down from there. But then next season that jumps to 5 million, then 4 million, 7 million, 4.5, 4.5, 7. That's the rest of the contract. So yes, if I'm... there's a team that wanted to grab him, now was probably the season they could fit him under the cap, and then they'll have to figure out what to do in the offseason. Yeah. You could buy him out and just take a giant cap hit, though. That's, that's <laughs> probably the worst decision. <laughs> All right, Mike, any... Uh, I mean, we've been arguing about JT Miller for eight, nine mm-hmm. minutes now. Any final thoughts on uh, on the Canucks, or you want to you wanna talk about one more team here before we switch over and talk some basketball? No, I'm ready to come after you about your last point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to be real confused by this because I have a completely different point on my rundown. And I think we're going to end up on the same side. So as much as it would be nice to do the whole like Stephen A. Max Kellerman thing where we're going to argue. Who was on crack? (laughs) For those listening, he uh, Adam just made the Max Kellerman face. Uh, Here's so I'm going to read you first to those of you at home. We have a rundown and we have personal notes. The rundown is a shared document that lets us know what we're talking about this week. The personal notes are our own notes that we have on a separate document that we can't see each other's notes. So I'll start with the rundown headline. The rundown headline I have is Devil's Panic. My personal note I have for this section is the Devils are 100% making the playoffs. Okay, Howard. All right. So the Devils are currently two points out in the Metro behind the Islanders. Three, point out, three points out uh, behind the Flyers in the wild card. Or sorry, three points behind the Flyers in second place in the Metro. Two points out of the wild card. And uh, they're 100% making the playoffs. Yeah, I back to when we did that Thanksgiving conversation, we were kind of mulling over the Devils because they were kind of having a rough start to the year. I was like, this, this team's young. They have the pieces. They can get hot, and they'll be fine. And they've won five of their last six. We talked about what, what McDavid's done in the last six games. Jack Hughes has 11 points, four goals, seven assists, and that like that's what you want to see the franchise getting it going. Um, five on five in this time span since Thanksgiving, if I haven't said it enough. <laughs> um, most goals in the NHL, fourth in expected goals for, and ninth in expected goals against. Like they're they're hot, they're they're freaking rolling now. And it's it's crazy because I still feel like their goaltending situation is so tenuous. That's the one. By one note, says their only concern, biggest concern, is in, in the net right now. Yeah, Kira Schmidt, minus 1.9, goal saved above expected through 11 games. And Vitek Vanacek, minus 7.3, goal saved above expected. I should say below expected. In 16 I have, games. I have, whenever you say the name Vitek Vanacek, I have, like, slight PTSD. Because, obviously, lived in Virginia for a very, very long time. And so on got a lot of Caps games, and their one announcer would always be like, Vitek Vanacek. And so every time he hears say his name, I just hear that, and I kind of like, my eye starts to twitch. It's very sing-songy. It's fun to say. Mm-hmm. So, when was Thanksgiving? The 20-something? 23rd. 23rd? So since a day before Thanksgiving, so this is the 22nd on, Vanacek has an 835 save percentage. Not good. Not good. And that's <laughs> that's... 
I mean, they have on on Money Puck, they have Akira Schmidt listed as their number one goalie. Vanacek's played more games than Akira Schmidt. So, not great. Uh, he's la- allowed 15 goals in his last four games. <laughs> including allowing five goals into the, the Hughes Bowl that New Jersey came back to win, 6-5. Yeah, I what the Devils have to hope for is Schmid to get going because, like, Vanacek's Vanacek. Like, we know who he is at this point in his career. Compared to Schmid, we saw him get kind of hot for a stretch there in the playoffs, and, like, that's the guy they need to get going if they want to have a shot at, like, a deep playoff run. Keep using your favorite starting date from Thanksgiving. Just one note. <laughs> Schmidt does have a 920 save percentage, which is significantly over league average this season, which is, like, 908 is average this season. Yeah. So, so he is that, going, you know, he's allowed 11 goals through five games with the most being a uh, five goal loss to the San Jose Sharks. Nice job, Akira. <laughs> isn't, guess, isn't, doesn't Akira have a brother that has like a wee bass name too? Yeah. Isn't it Krillin? Is that it? Yeah. You constantly pointed this out to me, even though Krillin's the American translation. It's not. Exactly yeah. Right. Krillin. Yeah. Fucking nerds. I love it. I oh. mean. Wait, real, real quick. Uh, Krillin Schmid is uh, currently playing in the top Swedish league, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, it's fu- like I didn't know there was a lot of weebs in Switzerland, but I guess so. Sweden. Oh, it, it, well, that's weird. It says Akira Schmid's birthplace is Switzerland. Oh, maybe it is Switzerland. He's playing yeah. in the Swedish league, though. Who knows, man? Who knows? Oh, it does say his birthplace is Switzerland. Maybe Krillin Schmid is playing in Switzerland. I already closed the Elite Prospects tab, so I guess we'll never know. Yeah. I'm an American. I don't know countries, man. I don't know what you expect of me. How many teams right now in the East would you rather put money on to win the Cup than the Devils? I hate the East this year, if we can be honest for a second. It's, it's just a clump of meh. Yeah, like I'd rather put money on... Uh, maybe, I'm starting to get back, maybe I'm starting to get back on the vibe trade when I put some money on the Panthers before the Panthers Devils. Panthers are a good one, yeah. Um... Panthers currently 55.11 in expected goals and 55.56 in actual goals. Way to be almost exactly dead on, Panthers. Yeah, the Rangers, I think. Rangers? Rangers have been hot. They've been scoring a lot of goals. 49.37% expected goals. Here, I'll pull up Um, the Money Puck playoff odds, and we'll just look at win the cup. The Devils currently are second on Money Puck's percent chance to win the cup. Wow, that seems... Very high. Mike, final question on the board. Double Jeopardy time. Who is the number one team in the win the cup percentage, according to Money Puck? The Kings. Nope. Don't say the Bruins or I'm turning my computer off. No, Bruins are way the fuck down there, man. Bruins are 2% chance to win the cup. Bruins fucking suck. One Uh, more guess. The Knights or the Avs. I'll give the other player a chance to steal. The Knights or the Avs. Nope. Knights or uh, Avs are third. Knights are seventh. Who is it? Dallas Stars. How was my next guess? Tonight to <laughs> It goes Stars, Devils, Avs, Panthers, Kings, Edmonton, Vegas. Can we get Edmonton out of there? <laughs> Dude, if That's they make not... the playoffs, they're scary. I get I mean, yeah, because Connor McDavid in the playoffs is just scary in general. Like, I don't want to yeah. face that. Like, getting Edmonton in the wild card would be like getting the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card. You're like, why did I even fucking win my division? I like both those teams have very similar like playoff history over the last 10 years or so. 
<laughs> they win one round and everyone's like, see, they're fixed. Yeah, here we go. What were we talking about? New Jersey Devils? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just another team. Like Jersey and Edmonton are the two teams that just absolutely were at Thanksgiving dead in the water and now are cup contenders suddenly. Edmonton's not a cup contender. Can we stop? What are you talking about, man? They just need to get weird hot goaltending for a month and they're a cup contender. Okay, well, I wonder where they're going to find that. They got a, this little guy in the AHL I don't know if you've heard of. <laughs> By the name of Jack Soupy Campbell. Just don't look up his AHL stats. Not good. Not good. He's getting cooked in the AHL. Not a great sign for nah. the $10 million man or whatever they're paying him. Edmonton I'm- is still five points out of the wild card. Yeah, but the, like, there's some weird wildcard teams that have a few games at hand on them. They've yeah, played like two or three less games than them. Mm-hmm. And if you say five points and two games, if Edmonton wins those two games, they're a point out. Yeah, I guess Edmonton's going to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> You're betting on a team with Connor McDavid to miss the playoffs. Because it's the more fun outcome for all of us. No, it is not. The more fun outcome is to get more McDavid in the playoffs. No, the more fun outcome is to see McDavid just want to murder everybody on his own team on the bench. <laughs> I enjoy that. Right, but here's, here's the thing. If it all goes south for Edmonton, which real quick, just want to once again say, we are, this is currently the New Jersey's Devils topic we're talking about here. But if everything goes south in Edmonton and McDavid leaves, you know he's just going to go play for the Maple Leafs. That is not – that is even worse, even less fun for me. Than... He's going to take a team-friendly contract. It's going to be him and Matthews. Fuck, he All might right, even I... talk Dracidal into coming over. All right, I take it back. They're, I hope I hope. They're just going to be the 2018 Golden State Warriors. <laughs> back we to the need, Devils. We need, we, need them in, we need him to stay in Edmonton. We need the – Edmonton's a good hockey city. It is. We either need him in Edmonton or Arizona. Let's get McDavid to Arizona. No, that's where Matthews is going. He's going to his hometown. I'd rather have McDavid. Yeah, I think Matthews uh, in eight years when his contract's up. It's gonna, when, it's when, when Matthews is JT Miller and JT Miller is in the grave. Yeah. All right, Mike, any, any final NHL thoughts? No, I just... Uh, you forgot to add to the rundown the part where we review each of Devin Levi's 29 saves the other night against the Boston Bruins. Give it a, on a rating scale between 1 and 25 everything, every single save. Yeah. All right, Mike, let's, uh, let's take a short break here and then we'll switch over and talk about some basketball. All right, we're back. I'm talking about basketball here. Hey, Mike, last night, did you see Victor Wimbayama? 21 points, mind you, on 20 shots. 21 points, 20 rebounds, 4 blocks. And the Spurs yeah. lost their 16th straight game. <laughs> That I did I get I did get the update that he's like the youngest player to put up a twenty twenty. We should twenty twenty shouldn't count if it took twenty shots to get those points, especially if you're a center. What are you doing, man? He was eight for twenty, zero from for four from three. Yeah, that's a God God rest his soul, one of the greatest of all time, but that that's a Kobe final game of his career efficiency. Yeah, that's a that's definitely a Kobe stat line. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he go wasn't it forty shots for forty points or something crazy like that? He had that 70-point game, which is an outrageous number of shots, too. Yeah. When Wimbayama was on the court, he was a minus 22. I was in the Garden, I think. I think it was at home, wasn't it? Was it in the Garden? I was in the Garden. He might have been in the Garden. 
Madison Square for people who are confused by our Boston accents. <laughs> That's a little confusing. Yeah, here's here's the two things. One, the Spurs team is so bad. And two, mm-hmm. Wimbayama needs to learn how to play better, especially offensively. Yeah, but isn't this what you want if you're the Spurs? No, you don't want Wimbayama taking 20 shots and four threes, and that's only all he gets out of that is 21 points. Oh, no, like the efficiency, yeah, that has to get better. But don't you want to have like those great Wemby games, even though this one was really not efficient, but at like the basic box score, a great Wemby game, and then you keep losing, though? You want you definitely want to lose, but they're doing some stuff that just makes no goddamn sense. Like they're still playing Jeremy Sohan at point guard, who's like a three and a bad point guard, but they want him to learn how to ball handle, and it's just not working. He had four assists and five turnovers last night. How many Spurs players could you name before I'm like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with that guy? <laughs> well, I'll, here, here, I'll, I'll remove Victor Wimbayama. All right, mm-hmm. Jeremy Sohan. Keldon Johnson. That uh, okay? That one does sound familiar. Devin Fassell. He sounds like a lawyer. Zach Collins. Yeah, I know Zach Collins. Dougie McBuckets. Yeah, you're not familiar with Dougie McBuckets. Yeah, right. Doug McDermott, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Seti Osman. Yeah. Okay, so actually, I know more players than I thought. Trey Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Trey Jones. Who? <laughs> Anyways, not here to talk about that. Although they did lose to the Chicago Bulls, which is embarrassing in its own right. Yeah. Oh, DeMar DeRozan revenge game. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it, Pop. It was, a, it was a good night of basketball last night. Um, obviously, Minnesota blew out Memphis, despite Memphis keeping it close through three quarters. It's always, always a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But we're not here to talk about that today. What we're here to talk about is mostly the end-season tournament. So from the top, real quick, just want to go back, talk about what happened in the past week in the knockout round. Mm-hmm. First off, Pacers. Just Tyrese Halliburton turned into an absolute fucking star. But the Pacers in progress to the in-season tournament final in Vegas knocked off Boston and Milwaukee, the two favorites to win the entire tournament. Halliburton posted at least one triple-double. Did he post two triple-doubles, or was it just one? I know it was one. I think it might have been, like, another one that was close, but yeah, no cigar. And, like, you and I were texting back and forth. You said he's, like, prime Westbrook. No, I said it was a joke, because I said he's, like, prime Westbrook if Westbrook was efficient and had a three-point shot. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, I replied and said that he's, like, Nikolai Jokic, but with running. Yeah. So... When can we start making the Magic comparisons? Yeah, Magic's a good one. You talk about just a guy with court vision. He's like Magic with a jump shot. Yeah, I mean, he's just such... I think, like, in today's NBA, people are always, like, pointing this out. Like, oh, no, but he's an all-around point guard. But, like, he is, and he excels at every facet of it. Yeah, except defense. But he's just... An offensive point guard, he's just incredible. I mean, him and Heald are combining for seven made threes on 43% shooting right now. He's revitalized Heald's career. He's turned Obi Toppin and Miles Turner into just complete and utter lob threats. And he's he's going toe-to-toe with the superstars of the league. 
he, you know, is knocking down three pointers from mid court against Boston. Mm-hmm. He does the Dame Time celebration after the dagger three against Milwaukee. This this tournament has turned him into a star. And I just want to point out, some of us have been on the Halliburton trade since he got drafted by Sacramento. Me. Fuck you. You I was on the Halliburton trade ever since they traded him to Indiana. Because at first I was like, I don't like that. Halliburton is uh, better than what they gave up, what LA got for him in return. Sacramento. Sacramento. Sorry, I'll yeah. get my Kings mixed up. But I was like, no, they like the Kings lost the best player in that trade. Yeah. So I was, I was against it. And I, I remember me and you were on that wavelength in our, like a group chat with a couple of our buddies and they, they disagreed. Yeah. And I bet um, you, if we go back now, they would agree with us. Halliburton is absolutely the best player that was involved in that trade. I'm keeping receipts, but yeah. So real quick to your one point, because I know a lot of times I bring up top in here and partly in Jess, because he's a former Nick and I, I love him, but like his last 10 games, he's averaging 16 points. Uh, he's shooting like a 60, 40 and he's like having his best, uh, like a little more playing time than he was getting at the, with the Knicks, but he's putting up his best numbers of his career. And like that just kind of goes to show you like what playing with a guy like Halliburton can do. Yeah. He's elevates guys. Yeah. Halliburton with his knockdown shooting this season is not only spreading the floor as a shooter, but also just has the court vision and passing ability to move things. He's like mini LeBron right now. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the bracket, speaking of LeBron, Lakers power through, knock off the Pelicans to make the, well, first off, who'd they knock off in the first round? Oh, uh, why am I forgetting this now? Or uh, the Suns. Yeah, the Suns. So he goes toe-to-toe with Durant, and they knock off the Pelicans. That Pelicans game, kind of an embarrassment. First off, LeBron fucking turned back the clock, man. He hit back-to-back threes on a possession. He was barreling through the paint. No one could stop him. They played shutdown defense on the other end, but the effort out of the Pelicans was fucking embarrassing. The Pelicans weren't trying. Zion, I, I, I have zero stock left for Zion Williamson. Yeah, I'm, I'm out now. I, I held on longer than you did, but I think I'm, I'm with you. He put up, he put up no effort. He went from being some guy that we thought could be one of the most athletic players in the league to now seems like a middling athlete. He's never been in shape. Like right now, if I told you, you could two years from now, you could have Brandon Ingram or Zion Williamson on the Knicks. Who would you want? I guess Brandon Ingram. Right. Even if it's close, man. Zion was an unquestioned number one pick like three seasons ago. And now you're like, I'll take the guy that's going to be 31 in two seasons. Yeah. I mean, more than that, Zion was like one of the biggest prospects who came out in a minute. Like people were... Like, this dude is a megastar in the making for the NBA, and he just hasn't been that. No, he's been just a giant disappointment. And like I said, just, I mean, borderline coach-firing embarrassment from the effort by the Pelicans. In an in-season tournament game, these games have all just had insanely high levels of competition, especially the games that the Lakers and the Pacers have been involved with. Those are two teams that want to win this, and I'm glad to see them in the final. Pelicans got blown out, man. It was a 44-point game at one point. Yeah, and I even like mentioned, like, oh, snap. Like, even Austin Reeves, who's kind of been struggling to start the year, had a good game coming off the bench for the Lakers. Is this, like, if they win this tournament, is it is it, like, the spark? I don't know if it's the spark that'll turn around the Lakers season and suddenly they'll be the one seed. What I do know is 
it's a proof of concept that if you are in the Western Conference, you do not want to play the Lakers in the playoffs. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's how they ended up in the... They made it to the West Finals last year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they made they it to did. the West Finals. Because they, the, they played the Nuggets in the West Finals. Yeah, and like that was kind of last year's thing where they made all those deadline moves. They started to get rolling. And then they just went into those first two rounds. And I don't know if they were the betting favorite, but it just felt like from people like people making predictions they felt like the favorites i don't think that they were the betting favorite you mean in the in-season tournament or last year in the playoffs last year in the playoffs in those first yeah i don't i don't think that they were the betting favorite in the golden state series their second round play playoff but i have to go back and check and they also got swept by the nuggets in the western conference finals it's worth remembering but it was one of those series where the lakers were in it every single game yeah but this, the the intensity. I mean, you know, uh, the team the team lives and dies on LeBron, right? That's that's a known quantity. We know that we're, uh, this team only goes as far as LeBron goes. But LeBron's intensity in the season tournament and how much he wants to win it for whatever reason. In the past, he's talked about how he wants that paycheck, which seems weird because LeBron's probably a billionaire at this point. But for whatever whatever's motivating LeBron to go full strength, LeBron on this, it's just one of those things where it's like. Oh, fuck, man. If you catch the Lakers in the playoffs, that is a scary proposition right now. The West is stacked. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. Nuggets, T-Wolves, Lakers, Suns, those are all teams that are a hard out in the playoffs. But this this Lakers proof of concept, especially the way they absolutely blew the doors off New Orleans, is not something you want to come up against. But we have the, the tournament final tonight at mm-hmm. 7 p.m. Or 7.30 Central, I should say. First off, Mike, I want to see your thoughts. Who do you think walks away inaugural in-season tournament champion? Damn. The line right now, by the way, Lakers minus four and a half. I'm, I'm ride or die with these Pacers. I'm not getting off this train until it crashes into a brick wall. A, a matter of fact, last night, I cooked up a little same-game parlay. Do you mind you if gotta, I throw it you out? got to just start betting straights, man. I know, but you lose all of these parlays by one or two legs. I put like, well, this, I didn't put a lot on it, and it was like FanDuel was doing like a boost token, which is one of their like classic ways to sucker people into bets. But you know, you can go in and see how much money you've lost on FanDuel, right? It'll show you. Yeah, but why would you. I look at that? That's depressing. <laughs> uh, so here it is got Pacers money line. Got Miles Turner to get 10 plus rebounds. He's just going to body AD. I got Obi Toppin over 12 and a half points. Tyrese, six plus rebounds. He's been doing very good on the boards. Toppin over one and a half threes. And then most importantly, the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Brown Jr. with two steals. <laughs> You're definitely going to lose that on the Miles Turner rebounds. Think so? Yeah. Lakers are bigger than the Pacers, just across the board. Yeah, that, that is true. So you're definitely going to lose that there. But, you know, good luck to you. Thank you. I wish for the best. I think I'm taking the Lakers. I know a few days ago I was full on the Pacers. The yeah. the full strength Lakers is a scary proposition, man. Yeah, I mean LeBron James just deciding to be like, you know what? I'm gonna be like prime Cleveland LeBron tonight. <laughs> it's just kind of like unstoppable. Yeah, he had a tomahawk dunk dunk where it's like the first time in two or three years where I think I've seen him get his like entire chest above the rim again. Yeah, it's crazy that he can sleep. Man's thirty nine. <laughs> I think I think him and Aaron Rodgers are going to the same doctor. <laughs> The other question for the in-season tournament, they do hand out an MVP for this tournament. A, we definitely need an official name for this. I don't know what the official name should be, but we need an official in-season tournament name the way that the 
finals trophy is called the Larry O'Brien NBA Finals Award. And the regular season MVP is, you know, of course, the Kia Sorrento MVP Award. Ooh. So we need we at some point no, it's just the Kia MVP <laughs> award, but it's fun to fun to throw a particular Kia in there. Didn't Blake Griffin jump over one of those? He threw, I think he jumped over a different Kia. Was it a Sorrento? I don't know what also, it was. Also, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. That is such a famous moment, and it's a fucking lie. It's not that impressive. <laughs> it's not that impressive. He jumps over the hood. Thank he doesn't you. jump over the top. He yeah. jumps over the hood of the car. The hood of the car, and don't get me wrong, I couldn't jump over the hood of the car, but the hood of the car comes up to like Blake Griffin's shin. Yeah, like the height wasn't impressive. I guess the impressive part is that he cleared at the distance. Part, half of it's parked underneath the hoop, too. Yeah, I don't think it was that impressive. No. Uh, one, maybe maybe a top 10 most overrated moment in NBA history is Blake Griffin jumping the Kia. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So at some point, we should probably brainstorm and figure out a name for the in-season tournament MVP award. It's, a, it's the Adam Silver award. Because he's going to be like, I fucking told you this would work. Yeah. Prop, all the props to Adam Silver. I don't know if I have ever seen a sports opinion flip as quickly as how the consensus was that no one believed in the in-season tournament to it immediately. Everyone was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. It was like the Twitter joke right up until it wasn't. Here are the odds for the in-season tournament MVP. I posted a screenshot of them in our rundown, but they've updated since then. Currently, your favorite, LeBron James, minus 155. Second, Tyrese Halliburton, plus 150. Anthony Davis, plus 1,100. Austin Reeves, uh, plus 4,100. Miles Turner, 60 to 1. And D'Angelo Russell is 100 to 1. Who is your pick for the inaugural in-season tournament champion? I'm guessing you're going Halliburton. You have the Pacers winning this, so... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's basically whoever wins this game, it's either LeBron or Halliburton. So. Yeah. It's either LeBron or mini LeBron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm prone to agree on that. I think that the odds have flipped too much to be worth betting LeBron because you're betting LeBron at minus 155. If you think, if you think that the Lakers are going to win, maybe it's just worth betting LeBron James to win in-season tournament MVP at minus 155. Yeah. Getting a, getting a better number on that. And I personally think the Lakers are going to win this one. They got too much size for the Pacers to compete. And you're, you're betting against, like, if you say, who's the best player in this game, it's LeBron James. Even if you want to say second best is Tyrese Halliburton. Like, third through fifth best player in this game might be on the Lakers. They do have Torian Prince, so you're right. They do have Torian Prince. <laughs> I really hope that someone off the Lakers bench comes off and just goes outrageously hot and somehow steals the end-season tournament MVP. Like, what if Ruri Hachimura, wearing his fucking I-broke-my-nose face cast thing, yeah. scores, like, 60? I mean, after Miles Turner just bodies... AD and gets 25 rebounds. It could be Miles Turner. <laughs> Miles Turner is going to end up with the uh, Hassan Whiteside triple-double. Yeah. He's going to have 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 blocks. All right, Mike, you got any final thoughts on the in-season tournament? No, just down the stretch here, I've actually really enjoyed it. So, Yeah, these, these knockout round games have been, for the most part, very competitive. Mm-hmm. All right, we did this recently with the NHL. Figured it was about time we did this with basketball. Did a little awards check-in. You know, we're, we're closing out the in-season tournament. We've gotten a good sample size of these games. I think it's time that we go through and, and just check in on all this stuff. So I want to check in on the important awards. Defensive Player of the Year, um, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year. Don't care about the Clutch Award. Don't care about Most Improved. Not really a, a big fan of either of those awards. Don't really care about Coach of the Year. I mean, Coach Hustle of the Year award? is probably going to go to... What's up? I don't care about the Hustle Award. 
Is that actually an award they're handing out? Yeah, they made it so they could finally give Marcus Smart something and all the Boston fans would shut the hell up. Well, too, just you're too late to give Marcus Smart that award, eh? Yeah. Um, current clutch, clutch player of the year looks like Damian Lillard's in the lead, but I don't really care about the award. We'll see how I feel in 10 years when they've been handed out for a while or they've retired it. Mm-hmm. So we'll start off with the, the headline here. We'll start off with MVP. Mike, right now the odds, MVP-wise, Nikolai Jokic, plus 185. That makes sense. He's the best player in the NBA. If your argument is, give the most valuable player to the best player. Just give it to Jokic every year until someone usurps his throne. Behind him, Luka, plus 430. Joel Embiid, plus 750. Giannis, 10-1. to Jason Tatum, 10-1. to Shea Gildas-Alexander, 10-1. to Who do you like for this award spot right now, Mike? So, the big two that I think are, like, my favorites... If I was being like, have like a really good chance to win it, would be Joker and Luca. Um, you got to pass it to that guy. You got to pass it to Luca. He's going to juke it. Uh, but I texted you about it the other night, and I was, I mean, I don't know. If Halliburton wills his Pacers team to like an impressive finish, who knows? Yeah, he's, he's plus 1500. He's just outside that top six I read off before. Mm-hmm. I would love Halliburton to get this award. We're a few years away from when Halliburton is going to win this award. Probably. I don't think a guard has won this award since Steph Curry. Was Steph before or after Harden? Both. Both. And, before and, and after. Oh, okay. Did it go like Curry, Westbrook, Harden, Curry? I think so. Here, I'm pulling it up. Yeah. Uh, so Embiid, Jokic, Jokic, uh, Giannis, Giannis, Harden, Westbrook, Curry. So yeah, you're right. The last one to win okay. it was Harden in 2018. And that was in the middle of a four-year run of guards where it went Harden, Westbrook, Curry, Curry. But yeah, it, this is it. This is a, a front-court award. It's mm-hmm. typically been that way. I mean, you kind of have to go back pretty far before you start seeing mostly backcourt players winning it. And especially in the NBA now, where we have these high skill centers that can do a lot and are very, very, very important on the defensive side of the game. Mm-hmm. It's hard to give it to a guy who's not a front court player right now. I mean, the top player in odds whose backcourt player is Shea Gill at 10 to one. I would love it. If Halliburton won this award that he's just, I mean, Halliburton's are, I don't know. Deron Bland. In the NBA, we've we've been Halliburton guys for so long, yeah, that we have kind of our name attached to him. So that would be awesome. I think my money currently is on Jokic. He's he hasn't won the award in two years. He hasn't. He has the Embiid <laughs> thing in the middle. But it's just Jokic is the best player in the league. He's got such a unique skill set. He's doing something that no one else is doing. And if your point is most valuable player, he is increasing the ceiling of Denver more than anyone else is increasing the ceiling of their own team. Yeah, that that's one where we often talk about how MVP can be swayed sometimes by team success, but that's really an example of where the guy is just a ridiculously large percentage of why the team is having success. Yeah, and if there's one sport where you can argue team success being an an attribute for that, basketball's it. I mean, they they're playing both offense and defense and there's for his team he is at least 20% responsible for anything that happens on any possession because there's only four other guys on the court for his team. Exactly. All right, Mike, next up on the awards ballot, let's talk some rookie of the year. 
brought this up a few weeks ago with Brendan on the podcast. Chet Holmgren for, has firmly taken the reins as the front runner. Currently sitting at minus 165 to win Rookie of the Year. Second is uh, Victor Wimbayama, plus 120. Jamie Jacques Jr. at plus 5,000 on the Heat. Osar Thompson, 10 to 1. And Derek Lively is 12 to 1. No one else really need to talk about. Somehow Scoot Henderson's still hanging around here at 25 to 1. Scoot's been terrible. I don't know. I don't know how he's in this conversation. And my personal favorite, and a guy I talked about this week on the Team Talent Alone NBA League Pass Watchability Power Rankings, Bilal Koulibaly at a cool 50 to 1. Here's where I test your... to see if Mike even checked my League Pass Watchability Rankings. Are you getting your Bilal bets in? Is that what you're telling me? Well, if you could tell me what team Bilal plays for. Yes? No, the Wizards. <laughs> I guess to show you folks, I read everything Mike posts and he doesn't read anything I do. I'm sorry. I try to read them. No, you don't. The words are so big. Like Bilal Koulibaly. Those are big words. <laughs> Those are big words. Mike, uh, what will it take for Chet Holmgren not to win this award? Uh, is, is Liz Frank to start acting up again? Yeah, a bus, <laughs> a bus crash. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, damn, I'm mad. We should have got our, our bets in before the season started for Chet when he was plus money. Yeah, I, I was big on the bet Victor now while he's plus money. Uh, you can still bet Victor at plus money because he's not winning it. No, it's, 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 Chet. it's A, team success, and B, individual success are fueling Chet Holmgren here. He's looked very good. You know, he, he has – people love to talk about this, and especially basketball, but, like, he has that MVP moment so far on his last second – beat the clock three-pointer to tie the Warriors game and send it to overtime, which once again, by the way, the Warriors lost to OKC in overtime last night. The wow. Warriors, I know we're off topic, Warriors, 27 turnovers in that game. They're struggling right now. Yeah, they're struggling. That team is Steph Curry and a bunch of Jags. Yeah, Clay Thompson, who I, I feel like at this point, all he can do is just stand in the corner and wait. Yeah, and complain about calls. I think that the, the Warriors should trade all their players for Brock Besser. That's my take. <laughs> and JT Miller. Yeah. Mike, you got you got a sleeper on this list? I mean, just anything? I mean, I guess Wemby's Jimmy a sleeper Jacques now, Jr., right? Sir Thompson, Derek Lively, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Keontae George, Jordan Hawkins. Any of these guys? No, I feel like Rookie of the Year just gets... In the NBA, I feel like he gets, you know, locked down pretty quick. And it's locked down. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, this is, it, at this point, it's Chet's award to lose. All he has to do is not get injured. And I think that he's in prime position to win it. Maybe put on a couple pounds, though, Chet. And Victor, start fucking shooting the ball efficiently. How about, how about you score in the paint every once in a while, you giant French freak? Jesus. All right, Mike. Next up, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, the award that people vote on just by <laughs> name recognition for who's won the award in the past. So the Rudy Gobert Award. <laughs> yep, Rudy Gobert's currently in first place, plus 150. Second place, Anthony Davis, plus 600. Evan Mobley, plus 900. Bam Adebayo is uh, plus 2,000. Brooke Lopez, 2,100. Jaron Jackson Jr., 2,500. Giannis, 2,500. Joel Embiid, 2,500. OG Ananobi, 2,500. Drew Holiday, 2,500. Victor Wimbayama, 2,500. Christoph Porzingis, 2,500. Chet Holmgren, 2,500. And Scotty Barnes, 2,500. Really just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks there, eh? <laughs> yeah. They, w they were like, well, we, we have three players who we think are going to win this, and everyone else in the entire NBA is just going to be plus 2,500. Yeah, it, it's really become a... It's just like such a center big man award, obviously. I wrote down... Like, I know 
specifically we're going to talk about one player who's going to win it, but I also wrote down it has to be someone on the T-Wolves. Yeah, just, I mean, ridiculous defense going on there this season. Yeah, they're they're tied for last, or well, technically, for lowest in the league um, with defensive field goals made. So field goals made on them uh, at 38 a game. They have the lowest shooting percentage against them at 42.3%. They're first in opponents points per game. They're first in defensive rating just for fun, Adam. So I went to uh, the NBA's like defensive rating statistics and I set the parameters at playing at least 20 minutes a game and you've played at least 10 games this season. And when I sort it by defensive rating in the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, in the top 10, there's currently Six Minnesota players. <laughs> it is unreal. And Thibodeau's not even there anymore. <laughs> no, it's all Chris Finch. <laughs> all Chris Finch. Yeah. Uh, Timberwolves 17 and four. Uh, highly based off of their defense where they're currently seeing, like you said, 106.3 defensive rating. They've taken back the top spot from the Orlando Magic. Other end of the floor, they are sitting at 16th in offensive rating. And that's, that's surging. So this Timberwolves thing does start to seem sustainable. But... It's as someone who obviously has watched a majority of the Timberwolves games this season as a resident Timberwolves fan, it's very much buoyed by Gobert. Gobert also got a huge bump because the defensive rating has still been excellent despite uh, McDaniels going out for an extended period of time. Anthony Edwards missing some games. Both of those guys were better defensive pieces. Kyle Anderson is on the bench. So it's been Gobert's in the paint. I sent this in our Twitter group chat last night. Gobert even closed out and blocked a three-pointer. Damn. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good clip. They show it in slow motion. He he's just I'm, he's just giant long. They're playing a really good. It's kind of like the Utah Jazz defense that they played when Gobert was in Utah, where they just have Gobert covering everyone that manages to get through, but with better perimeter defense, especially when McDaniel's was playing. But just high IQ defensive team. It based off team success and the, his history of winning it, it'd be hard not to give this to Rudy Gobert. Yeah, he's faced uh, 374 field goals he's defended, and it's a 40.4%. That's been scored on him. But and that's mostly in the paint. Yeah. But because Gobert's won it so much, the guy I'm really pulling for is Evan Mobley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mobley's, Mobley's good. It's just I think that the problem there is the the Cavs are a very confusing team this season. They're 13-9. and nine. They're not really in any kind of competition race there's talk about how you can't play him and jared allen on the floor at the same time they also have isaac coro who's another guy you can't play with that group and none of them can play offensively so i can see down the stretch it being hard to figure out what their lineup's going to be and there's a chance that mobley gets sequestered to specific lineups that'll make it harder for him to to kind of break through i like him too i would love to see a new guy win it i would love to see mobley or adebayo grab one of these awards at some point mm-hmm but it just seems like it's going to be a hard case to make with how confused the the Cavs are. I could I I, I could see more Adebayo winning it than Mobley. Yeah, Adebayo's been around longer, and I feel like that does come into play sometimes. Yes, I agree. Let's go fucking Timberwolves, though, eh? Let's fucking go Timberwolves. Nas, you Reed know who I really want to see win it? Nas Reed. No, a, a walk, uh, he had a great game last night. By the way, you've been so proud. He was getting into the paint and just dunking on everyone. Yeah. I, at at plus eleven thousand, Alex Caruso. 
Fuck off. <laughs> Your hate for Alex Caruso makes no sense to me. <laughs> All right, last topic that we're going to hit here today. Let me see what time we're at. Yeah, last topic we're going to hit here today. Might, might, might end up being a little bit under an hour and a half, but you know what? I've earned it. Sixth man of the year. Huge upset in the ranking. Since being uh, put on the bench, Austin Reeves has taken the lead in this at plus 280. Tim Hardaway, plus 360. Emmanuel Quickly, plus 430. Cole Anthony, plus 650. Malik Monk, plus 750. And Cam Thomas, plus 1700. This is really a one, two, three, four, five horse race right now with the biggest gap coming between Malik Monk at plus 750 and Cam Thomas, plus 1700. Mike, I'm going to go ahead and take the reins here. Fuck do I want Malik Monk to win this award. Listen, I'm also partial to Cole Anthony because I got a buddy who's a Magic fan, so I inherently root for the Magic, and Cole Anthony's been very good. But coming out of that draft with Cole Anthony, sorry, not Cole Anthony, with Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox, I was screaming from the rooftops that Malik Monk was going to be a better player than De'Aaron Fox. Don't be wrong. No matter what happens that season, this season, I am wrong. De'Aaron Fox is a better player than Malik Monk. Malik Monk has been great off the bench, and I've loved him for years. Nas Reed, Mike, is uh, 10 to 1. 10 to 1? I have to throw a little little action down there. I'm a boy Nas. Oh, he's 100 to 1. I'm sorry, I missed a zero there. Oh, definitely throwing a little money down, my boy Nas. Yeah, he's he's been the best bench player on the Timberwolves, so and he has great counting stats. Mike, you got a, you got an opinion on this? You got any yeah, any thoughts? So you'd think I'd go with the current Nick and Emmanuel quickly because of my biases. However, I'm going with the former Nick. I like THJ Jr. to win this. Averaging 6.9 off the benches here. He's shooting 42 from the field, which isn't fantastic, but he's shooting just shy of 40% from three. I thought it sounded like you were going to make another point. <laughs> as I was, as I paused there, I was like, I'd ended that sentence horribly. <laughs> I like how both of us skipped over Austin Reeves. Fuck Austin Reeves. Fuck Austin Reeves. Weren't you on the Austin Reeves train a little bit ago? Overpaid. Making like 11 million a year. Overpaid. <laughs> Making more than JT Miller. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> This, you know what? Six man of the year should be like the highest winning percentage of white players in the history of the league. Doesn't that just feel right? Because how many times has Kyle Korver won it? I think zero. When I, when I say six man of the year, who's the first player you think of? Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford? Jamal mm-hmm. Crawford won it three times? Yeah. I think Lou Williams, who also won it three times. <sighs> Lou Williams is my go-to six-man. You know what? Talk about an award dominated by guards. This might be the only award on the books dominated by guards. If you come off the bench, you average 15, and you have a good three-point percentage. It's like six-man of the year right here. This guy. <laughs> Since the year 2000, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 of those have been guards, including the last three straight. Who's the, who's the guy who wasn't? Or the ones that aren't? Uh, uh, Montrose Harrell, 2020. Lamar Odom, 2011. You want to do your... He was on crack again? Oh, that's the guy Stephen A. was talking about. That's right. Yeah. Antoine <laughs> Jameson, 2004. Corliss Will- Williamson. I have no fucking idea who that is. In 2002. Mm-hmm. And Rodney Rogers in the year 2000. Rod- and then Nas Reed this year when he, he wins it. He's not a guard. That's what I'm saying. He's going to be one of the nine. Oh, yeah. Good point. I was reading the guys who weren't guards. 
All right, Mike, that, that, that basically covers everything I want to talk about today. Did you have any final NBA thoughts you wanted to hit? Knicks suck. Damn, just because they got eliminated from the IST and lost last night? Playing so terrible. And also, yeah, like... They got, they got completely screwed. Just real quick. They got completely screwed by the way that scheduling worked for teams mm-hmm. that got eliminated from the in-season tournament, where basically an algorithm was created to... Every team was scheduled for 80 games. And then the last two were determined by either if you made the in-season tournament... Or, if you missed it, it was against opponents within your conference who also missed it in the same way you did. We got Celtics. You got Celtics and Bucks. Because you played the Bucks in the in-season tournament and then played the yeah. Celtics because they got eliminated in the same round. Mm-hmm. So you got absolutely screwed there. You had the third hardest games added. You well, know, actually, you were tied for first with the Rockets who played the Thunders and Nuggets. And you know who else you were tied with for who got the hardest games added by the in-season tournament? Who? The Pacers, who also played the Celtics and Bucks. That's right, and beat them both. Uh, you know things are not good in Knicks land when we once again go back to the constant stories and discussion of, do the Knicks need to trade for a superstar? It's like, all right, which superstar is available right now? Tell me who we're just going to go out there and snag. Zion Williamson. <laughs> Jesus, like, this is such a dumb conversation we had every year while we were... Uh, a bunch of losers, and now we're back to being losers. I'm, I'm, just, I'm down on the Knicks right now. I hope they can cheer me up and turn it around. It does kind of feel like we are currently in the year with the least amount of this is the next superstar to get moved. Like, who, who's the next superstar to get moved? I mean, we're not seriously calling Zion a superstar right now, are we? No, we are not calling Zion a superstar. Yeah. He's got to stop playing like a fat load of ass. I think Trey Young will ever be like, I want out of Atlanta. I would have said yes before Quinn Snyder came in, but they seem to have kind of reined him in. You think Donovan Mitchell gets moved again? That'd be my guess. That's not a bad guess, actually. Does he want to make the right choice and come to New York this time? I don't know if you want him anymore, man. Yeah, I don't know. like a fat load of asses. So he's playing like Zion? Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, one last note here. Timberwolves have had the second easiest schedule of games added coming out of the in-season tournament. So let's fucking go. Thank you, Adam Silver. Wanna just want to give you a big old hug to that old vampire. God bless the algor the algorithm. Algorithm. The, the algorithm. Shout outs to John Don Cheadle. Is that how we're ending the pod? Shout outs to Don Cheadle. <laughs> I guess so. That was such a sudden ending. Oh fuck, we should do plugs. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. Uh, uh, check out the NBA League Pass watchability rankings. Those come out every Tuesday. I'll obviously be talking about the in-season tournament finale this week, as well as probably get back to my, my talking about a few other teams. Uh, Team Town Alone, probably coming out late tonight, seeing as how I, I got some other stuff on the website that I have to work on, as well as we have the Lakers-Pacers in-season tournament game tipping off at 7.30. Bargain back here on Mondays and Thursdays for our Talent Alone podcast, where we talk football. And uh, keep an eye out for some wrestling content coming out in the near future. Oh, follow me at Talent Alone, Adam. On Twitter and follow Mike at Town Alone Mike. Mike, what what do you got in the, the works? Well, I had an apology to all my on Saturday simps out there for not getting it up this week due to some unforeseen circumstances. Um, but a lot of the stuff is going to get packed into an upcoming one where it's basically going to be now like just my regular season wrap up. So there'll be a lot of cool stuff to hit on there. And also, there is a new wrestling article in the works. I can't tip my hand just yet, but I've begun working on it. I'm not even going to tell Adam what it is until he has to. Review the and pending. Make the artwork. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't want me to have any 
you know, step ahead on making the artwork there. No. <laughs> it's not anything that's, like, time-sensitive that's going on, like, currently. So once I, like, have a feel for how I want to do it, I can send you, like, a real, like, rough first draft, then, then you'll know. Sounds like a plan to me. Mm-hmm. And as always, shout-outs to the algae rhythm himself, Don Cheadle. <laughs>